our cancer journey. Hey, OCJ friends. On today's show, we're going to be doing a retrospective and some new reflections on our first season of the Our Cancer Journey podcast. I'll play for you clips that some of you thought were very meaningful and other clips that I think there's great insights in that we can get some takeaways to help all of us. And I'll share a few new insights and some backstories about the first season. Let's jump right in and check out the show. The Our Cancer Journey podcast is a place for those impacted by cancer, their caregivers, and their loved ones. Together, we explore ways that we can optimize our lives through the experiences of diagnosis and treatments and beyond into the future of survivorship. And now your host, Bruce Watkins. Greetings, everyone. This is Bruce Watkins, your host for the Our Cancer Journey podcast. This is the place where together we'll explore ways to help you feel better, live happier, expand your self-empowerment, and enhance your life experience. Welcome to the show today. As I mentioned earlier, this is going to be a retrospective on our first season, which has not only been super fun for me, but apparently some of you enjoyed it too, because our listenership has just skyrocketed, and we are so grateful for that. Now, before we start, I just want to say that if I happen to sound different, that's because I'm in a different place. I decided to hit the road again, which is something I do. And as I record this, I'm sitting in Southern California. That's right, Los Angeles, where I'm from. I came out here primarily to record a whole bunch of new guests for the podcast. I've got some wonderful interviews coming up with some outstanding folks. I can't wait to share it all with you, and I will very soon as our new season begins. It's also kind of cool that when I left where I was, it was snowing, and it's beautifully sunny out here on this late autumn day, and I just went for a hike up in the Hollywood Hills. It's really, really, really nice, so I appreciate being here. Thanks for putting up with the not-quite-optimal sound, but we've got a great show today. So as I mentioned in the opening, we're going to do kind of a reflection on the last season of the show because retrospective shows give us a chance sometimes to not only reflect back on what we've heard, but also sometimes we might have missed a particular quote. So I'm going to be mining some of the content we have for some new takeaways and some things I think you may enjoy. I'm going to point out some of the clips that some of our listeners said were very meaningful. And I'm going to do some reflections on the two, as well as maybe share some backstories about some of these interviews and some of the things that were talked about off mic. So let's jump right into last season's show, episode two with Kathleen Ross Alley. Kathleen was our inaugural guest on the show. She is a speaker about yoga. You know all about her if you've heard the program. And I'll tell you right now, people loved her attitude. People loved her personality. And everybody could see that I do too. So it was a really wonderful show and our banter was great. And one of the takeaways that people felt was great about episode number two was a little nugget that Kathleen said when I asked her the question about how to access complementary care. Now, her speciality is a very specific type of yoga where you have to be highly trained. Not only has she had thousands of hours of training on how to do yoga teaching, but she also has studied how to integrate the art of yoga within modern Western medicine, and it ensures that there is a great partnership between medical practitioners and her particular discipline. It's really valuable. So we went into a lot of stuff on the show. You can listen to episode two and you'll hear some wonderful stuff. But this particular question was about how to access care. And in it, Kathleen tells us 
The doctor is your first point, but look for other resources. And she talks about speaking to the nurse. You have a key nurse that works with every doctor. They spend almost as much time with you as the doctor does sometimes. And that nurse speaks to every patient and other clinical people just like the doctor does. They're an invaluable resource. Check out this clip from Kathleen. Many of our listeners found this to be very helpful. Kathleen, I think you and I both know that there's still some doctors and some medical institutions out there that aren't quite up to speed yet. They're going to get there one day because of the standards of care, but they're not quite there. So a patient is sitting there and their doctor doesn't just give it to them in a gift wrap package. They may infer that it would be a good thing to do, or in some cases they might not mention it at all. What do those patients do where they need to go find this kind of certified yoga therapist themselves? If you're a patient that's in a different hospital, you're probably going to have to reach out outside. I mean, you first want to start with your doctor because many times now they will have a referral, but doctors sometimes are so busy. My first inclination is say, talk to the nurse, talk to the psychosocial department. If they say, we're not sure, or here's a list and you're going, I don't even know how to start with this list. Then I would go to that next layer and say, reach out to the cancer support community. So again, Kathleen is encouraging us to speak to other people and not just the doctor. And trust me, that's going to be super valuable for you. And you'd be surprised how often, when you think you know that, that you don't do it. Ask the same question of multiple people. It's huge. And at the end of that clip, I did a little shout out to the cancer support community. There's many fantastic cancer organizations, and we're going to be talking about them on this show over time. But Cancer Support Community is one that helped me and many other people, and we'll talk more about other cancer communities too. Find them, access them, it's wonderful. Okay, let's talk about Kathleen's follow-up episode. We actually did two full episodes with her. We had even more. It was incredible. But let's talk about the next episode. In this particular clip in show number three with Kathleen, something completely unexpected happened, and it was pretty extraordinary. As a matter of fact, our listeners were highly impacted by this because they tuned in to hear about advice on getting yoga when you're recovering, and then into the show drops a very heavy but very life-affirming moment. Now, if you've heard the show, I'm going to give you a little bit more of an insight in this, so just hang with me. But if you haven't, please listen, because there's some really important life things here. Now, I was interviewing Kathleen, and it just occurred to me that even though I've known her for quite some time, I never asked her what her cancer backstory was. I didn't know if she was ever exposed to it. I didn't know if she had it. I didn't know if anybody in her family had it. So I just asked the question off the cuff. And out of her dropped something that just, you can hear it on tape. It caught me completely off guard. And then she started sharing the impact of what happened in her life between her and her parents. I never specifically asked you if you or anybody you knew had ever been touched by cancer. Was there some event that happened that motivated you to be interested in this field and to pursue it? Oh, yeah, that was, it was kind of on the heels of my mother's cancer journey because she had breast cancer, she had colon cancer, and there wasn't a lot there for her during that time. 
I'm not sure she would have reached out because she was not someone who was looking for alternative healing or supportive complementary programs. So when someone would come my way with cancer, I was more attuned, I think. I think I have to acknowledge the fact that it interested me because it was in my own family. And I wanted to do something for someone else when I couldn't actually help my own family. Wow, uh, Kathleen, that's a powerful motivator. I never knew that. We've never talked about that before. I saw my mom's name and it was sitting there and went, oh, I need to tell mom's story. Well, I'm happy you did. I think that's, this is an important offshoot because the way I found out about my mom's cancer was my dad picked me up at high school and said, we're going to go visit your mom at the hospital. She just had surgery. She had a mastectomy. I didn't even know she had cancer. Whoa, you, you didn't? Hold on, hold on. How old were you at this time? I was 17. Wow. Kathleen, I've known you all these years. We've never talked about this. I, I, I had no idea. And that's how I found I was picked up at school, taken to the hospital, and she'd already had the mastectomy. Didn't know she had cancer. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I suppose that's one strategy for communicating with your kids. <laughs> and I had to go back to school and perform that night in a show. Okay, Kathleen, I'm going to take a break here for a second. Now, I paused the recorder because I needed to talk to her offline. We chatted for a while, and the impact of how Kathleen's parents handled communicating with her about the cancer impacted her more deeply than I, I could really understand. I've never been through something like that. And I asked Kathleen, would you mind if I shared this moment? And she reflected, and she said, Bruce, this is super important. It's a very personal thing, but I want people to understand this dynamic. So after the clip, I came back and I put in a little insert where I talked about not only parent communications with children, but also I wanted to highlight that we are around people every day that live very private lives. And many of them, unknowingly to us, have gone through their own very remarkable and very difficult cancer journeys sometimes. So holding space for other people is a fabulous thing to do. So check out this clip. I know it meant a lot to a lot of you. As you heard, I stopped the interview with Kathleen and I turned off the recording. Now this is unusual because at the Our Cancer Journey podcast, we're all about authenticity and transparency. But in this case, I'm sure you heard what I heard in Kathleen's voice, and that's that the decision her parents made on when and how to communicate her mother's cancer to Kathleen is still resonating in her to this day. Now, I left this part of the recording in for two reasons. The first is that it was really profound. It's rare that we get a chance to really hear what the downstream effects are of some of our decisions that we're making in real time during our own cancer journey. And communicating to children is one of the most difficult things to consider because there's so many variables and family dynamics and children's personalities are all very unique. We do plan to have a conversation about when and how to communicate to people about your diagnosis and communicating to children is going to be part of that discussion. But until we do publish that program, Taking the opportunity to hear other people's stories and consider the downstream impacts of some of those decisions should be part of our consideration process. The second thing is that, yes, while we're into transparency and authenticity, because we are, 
There comes a time when there's a person sitting across the way from you. They're either a close loved one, a dear friend, or maybe somebody that you just respect, like a work colleague or somebody at school. And maybe in casual passing conversation, or maybe just out of the blue, they share something with you that you know is outside of their demeanor, and you can feel that there's something happening. It's at those times that we have a decision to make. We can either go on autopilot, say the usual perfunctory little things that we all say when we don't know what to say. You know what I'm talking about. Or we can do something different. We can take a moment, take a breath, be present for that person, and just hold space. We cannot assume anything. We can allow them to tell us what they need, even if it's for us to just be there with them and sit with them. It's that kind of personal commitment that changes the dynamic from ones where we're just sitting around each other to being with each other. So I wanted to let you know that that's what I did on this podcast. I suppose I am being transparent because I'm telling you I was trying to hold space for Kathleen. And now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I'm also advocating too because... I think we should all hold space for each other in those times. Episode four was a little different. I did a solo show and I'm not really going to play a clip from it, but I want to tell you a little bit of a backstory. I shared in a moment of vulnerability on episode four that this entire Our Cancer Journey podcast thingy <laughs> was an experiment. I didn't even tell people it was out there. So listen to episode four in the last season. You'll hear that story. And I got some great comments about it. Now, some of the comments I got were saying, Bruce, we want to hear more of your story. We want to hear more about you. And I really appreciate that. I, I am a storyteller, and thank you for the compliments on that. But right now, what I'm excited about is I'm learning really incredible things from guests, from research I'm doing, and I'm seeing all these interconnections Things are really accelerating in our world right now. We are in an exciting time. So I really want to share this stuff so everybody can benefit everywhere. At the end of show four, I mentioned that we have a website, Our Cancer Journey Podcast. It's where you can listen to our shows. We have a contact page where we want to get your feedback. And thank you for all of you that send us feedback. It's fantastic. So that's at OurCancerJourney.com. Click the contact page to either send us a message or sign up for our email list or sample all of our shows directly there. Regardless of what podcast player you're on, and we're on just about every one, you can also listen to our shows at the website too. So check that out. So let's get on to episode five. Angela Lai, a trained oriental medicine specialist, some people call it traditional Chinese medicine. Some people call it oriental medicine. Came on the program and we had a spectacular interview. As a matter of fact, I only aired part one of it in season one. So in season two, I am so excited to air the second part of my interview with Angela, which is going to be a very special episode because, okay, get this. I went through my very first acupuncture session. That's right, with the strategic placement of the needles and all of that. And I did it live on the broadcast. It was a great experience. And we also stayed around and talked about the entire process about acupuncture. I learned so much. 
and you are going to love that show. So make sure you tune in for that show in season two. But in the first part of our interview with Angela, we really dived into just the basic background about the difference between traditional Chinese medicine and Western medicine. So in this clip, it's got two parts. The first part of the clip was just a portion of her explanation about the difference between Western medicine and traditional Chinese medicine. Listen to the entire episode because she is so eloquent on helping us understand the difference. And it's hard for a lot of us in the West to really grasp this because it seems so exotic and unconventional and mystical. It's not. It's actually really sound stuff that goes back multiple, multiple millennia. So listen to the entire show. But then she gives an example of how we in the West seem to think when something goes wrong, it's forever. Oh, I used to be able to eat XYZ, but today I can no longer eat XYZ. We don't ask ourselves the question, hmm, why for 20, 30, 40 years could I consume this? And all of a sudden now, I can't. We just accept, oh, I can't eat this anymore. And it's crazy because something changed. And Angela explains how with traditional Chinese medicine, they go in and try to figure out what it was so you could return to your optimum life, optimal health, and fix the problem. They don't just ignore the problem or avoid the problem. They want to see if they can go in and fix it. Here's the clip. said something when you gave me your introduction speech, well, you know, when I came in for my treatment. You said that sometimes people see their diseases in the West, in our culture that you and I live in. They see that it's a highly localized thing. It's something completely isolated from the rest of the body. And then when you start talking about these more whole body, whole person treatments like TCM, there's this gap between them. And you gave an analogy, and I'm hoping you'll share it with us now. You talked about how Western medicine views cancer as cell mutation and something's going wrong. And TCM views that body balance and patterns and there's things going wrong too. So they really aren't that far apart in their view of issues. Correct. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? If, if you speak to elderly patients or older people in your family, when they were a little kid, they remember growing up, going to one doctor who asked them about their diet, who asked them about their life, who asked them if they were happy. They looked at the whole body. And over time, for some reason, it has become more compartmentalized, more focused on each individual part and seeing specialists and not seeing the general practitioner. Not saying that the specialist is wrong, but that's how Western medicine used to be too. And there's people still around who remember that. So it's just evolved to what we have now, maybe good or bad. So in TCM, it, it hasn't changed in that way. We're still looking at the whole body. We're still looking at the root cause of the problem. And we still treat the person as a whole person instead of little pieces here and there. You mentioned something to me that I thought was pretty profound. You talked about the Western approach, and then you talked about the TCM approach. And then you talked about the fact that our bodies are out of kilter and that's the problem. So can you elaborate on that? 
Right, Bruce. What we talked about is very common for a lot of people. So what our body does is in each system, especially the digestive system, because it's so noticeable, is that when it becomes weak, it tends to push us away from its job. Like what you said, you know, you have digestive issues that you hadn't had when you were a child. Sometimes we are born with not enough enzymes or we're born with natural allergies. That's different. But if we're born healthy with a healthy system and as we abuse it, (laughs) and we tend to do that, right, then it starts to break down. So when it breaks down, then it will tell us, no, 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 we're not going to process this anymore. We're going to reject it. So I have a lot of patients who tell me that, especially going through chemo or radiation or surgery or anything like that. They'll say, you know, I get bloated now when I eat X, Y, and Z. I never did that. You know, so I'm going to stop eating that. And then instead of fixing it, right, because their body is telling them we are so weak, we cannot process this. So we're just going to reject it by giving you symptoms of bloating, of maybe diarrhea or constipation, any of those digestive signals. And that is your body signaling you that something is wrong. But we tend to say, well, I can't eat this anymore. I'm going to avoid. But that didn't fix the problem. So you have one avoided. And then you know, it just keeps getting weaker and weaker. Now you have more avoidance. Then you have another avoidance. I have patients who come in who only eat three different things every day because they never fix the problem. Angela, I know so many people like that. It doesn't seem right. That's right. That's what people do. So once you eliminate the harder to digest foods, your body stops giving those signals, but it hasn't healed itself. And then the next step is the not hard to digest foods start giving you problems. Then you may go and see a gastroenterologist. They run all these tests. You don't really have a digestive problem. Or maybe they see something little and maybe you'll go on anti-inflammatory medications. Or if the medications don't work and I've had people have their bowels resectioned because it just keeps getting more and more inflamed. So in TCM, instead of avoidance, we will start healing. Okay, if we can get your digestive system up and running, very robust, it can start processing the foods again. So you don't have the bloating. You don't have any of those symptoms. You can start reintroducing the same foods that you were avoiding before because your system is healthy and strong and can process what you're eating now. Okay, folks. So I hope you promise me that from this day forward, after hearing that clip, you're going to say to yourself, hmm. There's something that I'm having a problem with here. I'm going to take a look at this and see if I can address it. Because if you do, there's a chance that you can make it better and maybe resolve it. If you don't address it, it's guaranteed you never will. Okay, podcast friends, that's going to conclude part one of the season one retrospective shows. Part two is going to be coming up right away in your podcast app queue, or you can listen to it on www.ourcancerjourney.com. That's O-U-R-cancerjourney.com. On our website, you can listen to all of our shows. You can learn more about the podcast and send us some notes on the contact page too. Please do. And remember, season two is just about to drop. We've got some spectacular guests, so listen to it all. Thank you for being a listener. Talk to you soon. This episode of the Our Cancer Journey podcast is sponsored and produced by Fairlead Media. All rights reserved.